Brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. Don't leave home without it. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. to the lightning and thunder round of the week. I am joined by conservative philosopher Charles Thomas and liberal commentator Barbara Cerna. Thank you both for coming on the program. This week, King of Silas has said American allied forces are heading into Antarctica for a showdown with the Drax army. Let me begin with you, Barbara. What is your take on the revolution campaign heading into Antarctica? Tom. It truly astounds me that so many Americans still will not even question this Antarctic campaign. It is absurd, incredibly risky, and dangerous. America has virtually taken control of the whole world already. What more land and control does this king want? Hold it. To be fair, I think everyone understands the revolution is a war against the Drax creatures and not about land grabs. Well... Sure it is, because that is essentially what the king says, right? Whatever the king says, we should all believe blindly. Is that how this merry-go-round works? For all we know, King of Silas and the Drax are in cahoots together. I mean, this entire campaign could be a giant ploy to have a one-world corporate government, which is what the elitists have always wanted anyway. We should be asking way more questions about the king's motives, is all I'm saying. Charles, what is your response to what Barbara is saying? Should people be questioning the king's motives at this stage of the campaign? Honestly, I am not certain what Barbara or the others like her want to know. The king has demonstrated he is not after personal wealth or glory. He has shown the world this time and time again, and they still think he wants wealth and possessions. The fact simply doesn't support that belief. This campaign is not about a land grab or creating a one-world government. It is about fighting the enemy of humanity. Oh, those are just talking points, Charles. Everyone knows you're a mouthpiece for the king and his high council. You know why they're called the high council? Because they're smoking something wacky up there in that castle. Now let's keep this civil and professional. I believe Charles did not interrupt you, Barbara, so I ask you to give him the same courtesy. Really, Tom, it's fine. People see right through these projections Barbara and her liberal friends spew day after day. Just for clarification, I don't work for the king or the high council. I report on the happenings of the kingdom, and from time to time I give commentary of what's happening. I don't go around trying to brainwash people in an effort to try and turn them against the king for political points especially with sworn enemies of his majesty. Political points? Are you serious, Charles? Perhaps you and your minions are in cahoots with the Drax, and you are the ones trying to undermine the king for dark reasons. That's absurd. I am merely giving another perspective. Really? Strange how your perspectives are always against the king. Name me one good thing you have said about the king. Just one thing. 
Okay, this is not how this program was designed to go. Maybe the king hasn't done anything good to talk about. Maybe we're just sick of his lies. Well, we're sick of yours as well, Barbara. And I feel sorry for you when Judgment Day comes. And it is coming a lot sooner than you think. New Kingdom Radio Theater. Hi there, I'm Allie, host of What the Actual Faith, a podcast about faith and spirituality, or the lack thereof, in the 21st century. Today's world is rapidly changing, and people all over the world are re-examining their beliefs and trying to focus on the important stuff. Whether you're an atheist, religious, spiritual, or you're not really sure, this podcast is the place to ask the big questions and learn from one another's journeys. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you can find the podcast on most major podcatchers. And you can check me out on Twitter and Facebook at WTA Faith Podcast. This is where I leave you. Breathe in peace, friends, and breathe out love. Until we meet again. Ready for battle? It appears the humans are beckoning us outside. actually believe they have a chance if we decide to fight them. Your Highness, I felt something strange not long ago. I'm not suggesting the humans would even have a chance in a war against Drax, but something told me they are being helped by something I am unaware of. The Creator has sent someone to help Osiris. Bills was here and told me this already. I'm aware of the entity, but it matters not. We wait, and if they can draw us out, then we'll fight. I understand, Your Highness. I will see to it the warriors are prepared and ready for battle. Do not underestimate the entity the Creator has sent, Russell. This might all be a test for us as well. One should never attempt to read the mind of the Creator. Such things are unconscionable. I wouldn't think of it. But we must be ready for anything. We are worthy, and we all believe this. Bring on the humans.
After months of preparations, American forces led by the Spartans headed into Antarctica and waited for orders from King Osiris to engage the Draxon. The frigid temperatures began to affect the soldiers on the ice, but the absence of a Drax resistance conjured fear that the war to end all wars was a trap. Tensions grew as the sentiment circulated that all the drags needed to do was wait for the human armies to die of hypothermia. As Silas heard a voice he believed was of the divine Alpha Omega that spoke to him in a dream. He said, In 24 hours, lead your army to the center of Antarctica. Create a circle of soldiers three miles in diameter and blow 21 ram horns. At the end of the 12th hour, the demons will come out from under the ice and man's army will destroy the demons in a war where many screams will go unheard. After your army defeats them, Silas, you will return and bathe in the Jordan River where you will meet a man wearing a red and white robe. He will instruct you to enter the ancient city. Follow him, and you will find me. Osiris did as the Alpha Man instructed, and after 12 hours of the ram horns trumpeting, the ice beneath everyone's feet cracked. Steam billowed and sparks for miles in all directions, and a gaping hole opened beneath their feet. Black, needle-shaped crafts shot up over Silas's army and circled aimlessly. Lord Oreb's high-tech snow tanks began shooting many of the needle ships down when Drax warriors elevated from the giant hole in the ice. The Spartans engaged the Drax warriors, many of which towered fiercely over the Spartans, standing nearly 10 feet began to levitate the drags and shot them midair in order to fend off physical attacks. However, the Drax warriors were incredibly numerous and soon it became clear the human army was grossly outnumbered. When the drags got close to the ground, they ripped the limbs off of human soldiers easily. Even as they were being shot. Osiris' arm used 
survival models to stave off the Drax warriors, whose numbers continue to steal out the Drax. Terror and pain were so deafening amid the battle, Asalas could no longer distinguish between the sounds of screams and machines. Everything blended into a low hum. The king gazed on battles, fire burning on red ice, broken into a box. And a continuous stream of Drax warriors. More aggressive and horrifying than Boone's life, marching forward and ever closer. Moabs are being launched onto the entrance of the Drax Gate. Our troops are five, six flanks in. They're tearing us to pieces. After the Moabs are detonated, call in the Night Spartans with the Seventh Wing. But sir, how many? We have a limited number of Night Spartans. We cannot afford to lose any of them. Call in five in the first wave. Push them in after the Moabs. You better hope they master using those Orion weapons. I'll relay the order to Lord Shelby, sir. Her naval fleet off the eastern coast is reporting massive casualties. But they are also taking out those needle ships without much issue. The Orion cannons are proving to be very effective. But we still haven't seen those airships from Australia. All we've seen are those needle ships. I have a bad feeling about this, sir. Maybe we should call on the Chinese air support to come in over the west flank. No! The Chinese are to be pushed further back. Communicate with President Wei, and if the Chinese so much as moves an inch closer, tell him we'll consider that treachery and fire nukes at them. We're not taking any chances with them. If we get pushed back to the breaking point, then we'll call them in, but only as a last resort. Right now, we're holding our position in spite of the casualties. As you command, Your Majesty. Sir, reports from Lord Shelley say a fleet of the Australian airships have been spotted. Sir, they are coming out of the waters off the coast. USO, sir. Damn it! Tell Shelley fire everything they got at those Drax airships. The Orion cannons are ineffective. Shelly is reporting heavy damages. The airships are in full attack mode on our Navy ships, and nothing we're firing at them is having any effect. Sir, what are your orders? Shelly is reporting catastrophic damage on our flagship aircraft carrier. Call in Gideon and four of our top night Spartans. Initiate Operation Commandeer. This will put Gabriel in serious danger. We're all in serious danger at the moment, Lord Oreb. Initiate Commandeer now! As you command, Your Majesty. One of the things that made King Silas such an effective leader and powerful warrior was his ability to think of every scenario possible before going into battle. He knew his armies would face an enemy they couldn't possibly defeat with the limited weapons humans possessed. 
most humans were incapable of powers many considered on the fringe of magic. This was because of their willful separation from this spiritual realm. Only a very select few could reach the level of consciousness and awareness to possess the powers all humans innately have, the power of mind over matter, and heightened consciousness. For Silas, these Night Spartans were the only ones capable of reaching such levels of consciousness. But beyond this, Gideon and all Night Spartans were capable of telekinesis, mind reading, and hijacking other sentient beings. Essentially possessing another entity's body. Night Spartans could control the actions of animals for a short duration of time, so long as they had a brain. And when Osiris sent the Night Spartans to aid Lord Shelley against the Draxair ships, he asked them to accomplish something they had little success with before. As the alien aircraft swooped down in their attacks on the Navy warships, Gideon and others used their minds to hijack the minds of the Draxpans. Gideon and the others were able to commandeer their actions and commanded them to attack the others. Ashes were attacking each other indiscriminately. Then, Gideon and the others commanded the airships to attack their own Drax warriors on the front of the happening. The humans should be retreating now and being shot in the back as they run away. But we are the ones losing the battle. Your Highness, I am not completely sure what is happening. But it seems our own airships are under the control of King Asylus. We're being fired on by our own ships. This is impossible. Humans don't have possession capabilities. How did this happen? Completely sure, but you are not completely sure of anything. Fine. If the human wants to fight with mind control, so can we. Russell, send our high priests to the surface and make the humans turn on each other. As 
you command, your highness. Lord Orin, get our satellites to zoom in on the entrance of the Drax Gate now. As you command, your majesty. But what are we looking for? Tell Command to watch for Drax dressed in red robes. Red robes? What does this signify, sir? They're high priests of the Drax Order. They'll be surfacing to commandeer our soldiers to turn against us. And what should we do when they surface? Drop another round of Moabs. I'll relay this command to the ready the B-52s to unload the Moabs, sir. As soon as they confirm a visual, drop the Moabs. Silas released a statement today saying America's campaign in Antarctica was a complete success. News of America's victory over the tracks hit the streets worldwide at approximately 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. By daybreak at our studios here in Nottingham, celebrations were happening all over the world. In Paris, in Cairo, in Barcelona, Johannesburg, Berlin and Moscow, people crowded in the streets beeping their horns clanking pots and pans, music and dancing from miles around, major cities everywhere. We go live now to our beat reporter, who is in Times Square, to get people's reactions in America as King of Silas has evidently led our world army to the greatest victory in all the world's history. Your Majesty, the whole world is celebrating our victory in Antarctica. But something tells me this whole thing is far from over. It's way far from over, Lord Shelley. I'm glad you came with me to the Jordan River and be baptized. You are in no way obligated. I know, sir. I wanted to be here with you. Look... I know things are strange, and it doesn't make any sense. 
I feel so stupid sometimes because I don't want to be that woman. You know, the one in the shadows like a mistress. I hope you understand what I mean. You are not anyone's mistress, Lord Shelley. I love and respect you more than you can possibly know. But I am a devoted husband. I can never, and will never be unfaithful to my wife. Sir, permission to speak frankly. Granted. Don't you think emotional cheating is the same as physical cheating? Indeed, I believe for many it is. And before you ask, I believe it also. Which is why I ask for forgiveness every single day. Forgiveness from my God, my Creator. And forgiveness from you, because I desire you so much. Everything tingles inside me when I'm near you, or hear your name, or your voice. Just looking at you right now, with your hair all wet like it is, you are so beautiful to me. Sir, I, I don't know what to say. Oh, well, I guess we'll just be flawed humans. The war we fought against the Drax was nothing compared to the battle we are about to face, Lord Shelley. What do you mean? I would tell you, but it was said in much greater detail by John Apatnos in the Book of Revelations. I can tell you've gathered all the different clues. So we sit in silence. I ask if you're okay. Then the teardrop hits your tongue, begins to say, <clears throat> Your Majesty, there's a young man here to see you. He says the Alpha Omega sent him, and you instructed me to tell you when this person arrives. If he is wearing a red and white robe, Bring him to me. Your Majesty, I come to give you instructions from the Alpha Omega. What are they? You are to follow me into the ancient city of Petra. And you are to do so wearing nothing on your feet. When you arrive, you will find three shiny coins inside a bowl of water near the entrance of a facade. Read the words on the coins. They will tell you where to find the Alpha Omega. Also, no one is to follow behind us. Sir Silas, the time has come for the world to change. Nothing I have done in this world makes me worthy to be in your presence. I am not worthy, my Lord Yeshua. Stand, Silas. You have led your people from the darkness and showed them the truth. But I see their hearts, and they still do not believe. My father, the one who sent me, knows all of our hearts. And he knows your heart through and through, Silas. You are a true believer, 
and are forgiven. You will now lead your armies to the land of the prophecies. Do you know of the place I speak of? I do know of this, my lord. In my hand I hold the scrolls with four of the seven seals of God's document, which will begin the changing of this world. And now, in your presence, Silas, I break the first seal. You will ride off on this white horse, Silas. Here, take this bow and these arrows with you. As you leave Petra, there will be several assassins waiting for you, but none of their bullets will touch you. With this bow, you will be rid of them, and you will go out into the world in conquest. Yeshua, it was, it was never my intent to conquer the world. Please. It is written in the prophecies, Silas. It is what must happen for the world to change. My father has willed this to be so. And with all the love for the father in your heart, go out into this world and conquer it as it is written in the prophecy. I will do as my lord commands. of King Osiris that the new kingdom of America is now at war with the Middle Eastern alliance under King Hussein and China for, and I quote, conquest of the world, end quote. There has been no official word from President Wei or King Hussein, but military activities in the Middle East have ramped up. Reports from all over the world are coming in. China's military is said to be on the march towards the Middle East. We have unconfirmed reports that King Osiris and members of the High Council are in Israel, in the town of Megiddo, near the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee. Hold it. We're just getting word that King Osiris has called all the American Alliance military to the Middle East for a ground assault. Ladies and gentlemen, it is unclear just exactly what is happening, but reports from around the world are calling this the beginning of Armageddon. As it is strangely coincidental that King of Silence and the American Alliance, the Middle Eastern Alliance, and the Chinese military are all meeting for a head-to-head -head battle of conquest at the one location long believed the place where Armageddon would take place. Ladies and gentlemen, we are being told to stand by. There is something big happening right now. Stay tuned while we try to... We're trying to go to a live feed now. 
Wait. Stand by. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Listening to the Rise of King of Silas, episode 30, our season two finale, Alpha Omega, starring J.V. Torres as King of Silas and the British newsreader, Steve Fisher as Lord Jeremy Oreb, Shane Maester as Lord Anna Patricia Shelley, Puneet Riot as Lemuria, Austin Beach as Russell, Kevin Oaken as Assistant. Tim Long as Stranger. Jordan Blum as the Alpha Omega. Elise Krawick as Barbara Cerna. Paul Mahoney as Charles Thomas. Don Rosinski as newsreader Tom Novak. And narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. This episode features the songs New World Order by JVMP and I Can't Live This Way by Marco Vega. Download the music of JVMP and Marco Vega today on Bandcamp.com. Other contributions by Sergei Cheremisinov, PurplePlanet.com, Freesound.org, and Audio Jungle. For more information about the cast, the music, or this production, 
please visit us at www.theriseofkingasilas.com. Also visit our website for information and updates on the novel The Rise of King Asylus Part 1, which will be available on Amazon.com. Thank you for listening. Please share our audio drama with your friends and associates on social media and anywhere else. Leave us a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube as well. Just Google King Asylus. Follow us on Twitter at King Asylus and like our Facebook page at King Asylus. This has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theater in Baltimore, Maryland. Copyright 2019. And stay tuned for season three, due for release on Halloween 2019. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Music.